the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. It's the date day edition of the Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is a program, as most of you know by now, that's dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions, life questions today, ladies. It's a show set aside for you, questions about uh, something you're going through, if you need encouragement, questions about marriage, whatever's on your heart and mind, all you have to do is call us, area code 210-340-9585, that's 340-9585, if you're outside the local area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR, numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app if you're driving in your car. The safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now button. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. One more time, 340-9585. Now, before I say hi to Paula, let me just share with the audience, we have both been out in the mountain cedar today, and we are struggling. I think I'm doing better than she is, but uh, boy, it was really, really out there today, and um, it's hitting hard. So please bear with us. If you hear a break, it's a sneeze break or a <laughs> blow-our-nose break or something, but the allergens are really hitting hard. Hey, um, a couple of things today. Uh, actually, t- today is our final rehearsal for our children's Christmas play tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. at the Judson High School Performing Arts Center. We'd love to have you come. It's free, and you will be abundantly blessed. Keep your kids in prayer that uh, they're all excited about the work that they're doing today and tomorrow, uh, and uh, we would appreciate knowing that you are praying. Um, Paula, welcome to the show as she blows her nose. Thank you. Yeah. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, I I'm, I don't spend much time outside because I know the allergens are out there, and yet we were walking around and the wind was blowing. So, if I sound a little nasally, that's why. But um, yeah, it's a it's a good day. Other than that, but Tuesday was a really good day. <laughs> we had to change our date day. We had plans today, so our date day was Tuesday. And so thank you for saying that, Paul. I'm Mm-mm. still thrilled after all these years you like hanging out with me. Yeah, in fact, it was so good. This, no offense to the radio listening audience, but I was having such a good time with my boyfriend that they had technical difficulties here. So I even got you earlier in the day for, <laughs> than normal. So, um, But it was good. Yeah, you know, Pastor Ron, Christmas is almost here. And um, I would like to also invite people, you know, not trying to get people to, leave their church to come here, but on Christmas Eve Eve, we have 8.30, 10.15, and 11.59 um, in the morning services. So we could say we have three Sunday morning services. So if anybody has a mind to, um, we'd like to meet some of the radio listeners. So you, you're, you're free to come. So with that said, 
what to talk about today. So my question is, is the Bible still the number one bestseller or the, you know, like the, the, the book that sold, no matter what the translation is, more than probably any other book? I'm sure that's the case. I haven't looked up statistics for a long time, but, but I'm certain that no book will ever outsell um, our Bible, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. I know we have quite a few uh, translations at our house, and, you know, in your office you have several. And so, um, you know, when you first got saved, I just remember dropping you off at the library, and you would stay there all day. On, on my way to work, I would drop you off, and then on my way back home from work, I'd pick you up. So we're talking 8 to 5 pretty much every day. And just the difference in people, the the ones who are curious, they just really want to know. They're reading the Bible so that their lives will be changed. And then there's others who might read it. Maybe some get just a few chapters in, but they're looking to disprove what it says. Why is that? <laughs> well, you know, Paul, our flesh is such that we want to justify doing what we do. And if God says something you're doing is sinful and you want to find fault with God's reasoning, then you become a critic and you're going to look for loopholes. But, you know, it's not just unbelievers who look for loopholes. It's it's Christians, you know, we who believe um, most of the church is not serious about Bible study. Um, most of the church is always looking for, well, but that doesn't pertain to me, uh, those kind of loopholes. Uh, and that's just our human nature. And our flesh is no good thing. And um, when we want to disagree with the Word of God, we simply find an, uh, an excuse to do it. You know, over and over for years, Paul, on, on this show and, and uh, in personal conversations, uh, we both had people say to us all the time, well, you know, the Bible's full of contradictions. You can't depend on that. And and every time I've asked them, okay, just tell me one. Mm-hmm. And they never can. But what they've heard people say so often is that the Bible's full of contradictions. You can make it say whatever you want it to say. But honest scholarship precludes that. I mean, if we are really wanting to find out the heart of God, His Word is the only way that we can do that. If we really want to find the, the real Jesus, his word is the only way. The Bible is the full and complete revelation of who the person of Jesus Christ is. And Hebrews chapter 1 says Jesus is God's final word to this world uh, until such time as Jesus returns and assumes the rightful control. So uh, other than explaining just our human nature, we want to justify what we're doing and the truth is, our flesh doesn't want anybody to tell us what we can or can't do, mm. um, regardless of whether or not um, we proclaim Christ or not. Uh, my producer is just saying the best. The Bible is the best-selling nonfiction book ever sold, with last count 2.5 billion copies sold between 1815 and 1975. That's a very old thing, but imagine how many more copies mm-hmm. of the Bible have been written. And so, that's a Guinness World Record. Yeah, that's and says, wow. You know, Guinness isn't our authority, but mm-hmm. the, the 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 fact that the Bible has been under attack from the beginning of time. The Bible has been um, discredited, or at least attempted to be discredited, uh, from the moment it appeared, uh, and yet. People keep buying it. Yeah. Buying it, however, doesn't insulate us from not knowing it. I know. I love the fact that uh, even even when we were uh, barely Christians, this was for me, and uh, I, people would give me gifts for my birthday or, you know, Christmas, but because they knew I was a Christian, they would go either to a Christian bookstore um, or somewhere to buy me a Christian gift. They had to look at it, you know. So I, I was pleased with that. And in some cases, people are now saved as as they've had to shop for this Christian girl. I was a Christian girl at one time, <laughs> and now this Christian woman. Um, but you know what? You know, we're all looking for love. And there was an old song, you know, looking for love and too many 
faces, looking for love in all the wrong places. Well, I remember crying out, you know, where's the love? And hearing him say, of course, you know, I love you, I always have, I always will. But the cross, the cross proves his love. And you were talking about that in, well, you talk about that in pretty much every study, especially <laughs> at the altar call, so what am I talking about? But the cross proves his love. And, um, you know, our value is established by the buyer. And God the Father thought we were so worth it, the pearl of great price that you just spoke of the other night. Um, he thought if it was only you or if it was only me, um, he thought sending his son Jesus to die on the cross was worth it to get you or to get me. Man, that's love. Yeah, and, and, you know, Paula, I, I mentioned this last night in our Bible study. We did an Old Testament Christmas last night. Uh, with just one verse, uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And when I try to communicate always, um, and, and, and there's just something, spiritual interference, we've got such a history of believing the lies that the world has told us. I want people to really believe, people listening to this radio program, people that heard the Bible study last night, I want people to believe that God loves them. Uh, he loved us so we could then love him. That's what First John says, that we only love him because he first loved us. Our response uh, in loving him was a response to love already poured out. And um, uh, it's a good thing to talk about uh, the Christmas season uh, because we, we just don't understand. We, we, we look at circumstances. Well, if God loved me, I, would, I wouldn't be single. If God loved me, I, I wouldn't be in the mess I'm in. If God loved me, and, and we forget that God has provided an everlasting statement of his love that's never, ever going to change. He died on the cross for God so loved the world that he gave. I mentioned probably five times last night, I never get over the fact that Christmas is when we celebrate his birthday, but we're the ones who get the gifts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that Jesus would endure the agony of the cross for the joy set before him, you and I being that joy. For Jesus saying it is finished and canceling our sin debt forever. If those things don't prove that he loves you and he died for us when we were still his enemy, if those things don't prove once and for all that he loves you, then I don't know what else can. And so often we look at circumstances, we look at uh, what other people say to us or how they treat us instead of remembering always just how high and wide and deep and long is the love of God. And if we'll, if we'll remember that, then it'll never change. When, when those lies come into us, the enemy brings them, we'll instantly recognize them as lies from the pit of hell, and then we'll refocus on just how much God loves us, how valuable to him that we really are. And when you said a moment ago that the, the buyer of a thing establishes the value, not the seller. Mm -hmm. You know, we sell cars, we sell homes, there's always an asking price and a selling price. But the value is always determined by the one who pulls out the money. Yeah. And Jesus um, was God's demonstration of emptying the vault of heaven. For each and every one of us in the parable of the pearl of great price uh, demonstrates that, that if it was only one person, you were still worth it to God. When he found one of great value, mm -hmm. he went and sold everything that he had so he could come and purchase it. God the Father sold everything that he had so that he could buy us. And why that doesn't translate into, I know God loves me. And you started this whole program, Paul, we're talking about the Bible. And the truth is, we don't know the Bible as well as we know circumstances. Mm -hmm. We don't know the Bible as well as we know the things, the lies that people have said to us or about us. And as Christians, if we don't really dig in and know what our Bibles say, if we're not students of the Word, then we're going to be just tossed to and from every wind and wave of doctrine. Um, or, or, or emotion or circumstance and we're going to forget the real value of his love for us. Yeah.
I love when you said last night, and I wrote this down, <clears throat> when you got to um, 6B, to us a son is given, 100% God, uh, that this baby would never sin, he had to be perfect. And then the is, is really was given. And then you talked about the pearl of great price. Then. Um, but he had to become a human. And humans always begin as a baby. So Jesus had to be a baby. Then you went to John three sixteen, where it says Jesus loves you. He's not disappointed in you, no matter what you've done. If you turn back. If you turn to or turn back to Jesus, he's never been disappointed in you. He wants so much better for you. You know, Paul makes that same point. You know, if, if Jesus died for us from the foundation of the, of the world, if he died for us when we were doing horrible things before our sins were washed, and this is a common phrase in Paul's epistles, how much more will he love us after we've been purified by his blood? How much more valuable is his love to us? And unfortunately, Paula, we we uh, we don't dig in deeply enough to our Bibles to really understand, believe, and then trust in in what He says. Yeah, you know what happens, uh, Pastor Ron, is because uh, we remember the things that we've done. You know, we remember those, and the enemy is right there to fan the flame. And who are you to tell somebody else about the love of Christ? You know what you did. And and people will bring that up, especially those that we may have offended. And, you know, if they don't want to forgive, um, they may be the ones who are still. But see, if we knew the Bible, Paula, we'd respond very simply by saying, wait a minute, my sins are as far from me as east is from west. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I know that I used to be a jerk. Mm-hmm. But but that's who I used to be. Yeah. And this is who I am now. Yeah. And uh, truth is, we let those words condemn us because we're used to taking lies and accusations from people, mm-hmm. forgetting that we have a mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just like the idea, of, you know, Lord, those are lies. You, you've already dealt with those lies. So I'm going to choose today to believe yeah. that I'm your beloved. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was praying for... A lady the other day, she's, she has terrible self-worth. And that's what I was talking to her about. It's not your worth. You, you don't establish the value. Jesus established the value, and he thinks you're, you're all that. You're, you're beautiful and you're flawless, yeah. my darling. So let's, we, take, let's take a phone call, Paul, before okay. I get there. One of the things that we have to remember is that, um, and this sounds harsh when I say it this way, but it is so arrogant and prideful when we humans believe that that we're harder on ourselves and God is harder on us. When we when we think that well, I have no value. How arrogant that is! When Almighty God, which is in our Old Testament Christmas uh, Christmas yesterday, the, the study, when Almighty God says that He's thrilled with us, that we're perfect, there's no flaw in us. Um, it's arrogant and it's prideful to be harder on yourself, to be, well, I can't forgive myself for what I've done. How can you not forgive you when God has forgiven you? Mm-hmm. And what's the value of holding on to, to the thing you used to be? Uh, and again, if the enemy can keep us in our flesh long enough, we're going to start being that person all over again. Yep, yep. Hello, Cindy's been holding. Cindy, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ryan Paula. I got Hi. Hi. I got hit really bad with this mountain cedar. I thought I was mm-hmm. back in Arizona and had valley fever. <laughs> oh, yes. I remember that, too. <laughs> Anyways, um, I was reading this morning in First Peter chapter 4, and I came across uh, verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. I was thinking about how it's God's love that covers this multitude of sins for us. But also, I'm wondering if we're loving somebody that can be very difficult, and we're being very difficult, if you love each other, if that love is covering a multitude of sins between the two of you. So that's what I was reading, and I'll I'll get off the phone and listen to your comments. Thank you, Cindy. Appreciate it very, very much. Love you guys. You know, love, me love too. you too. 
Right. You know, Paula, that, that verse, uh, above all, love each other deeply, that's, that's our command, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. And the second commandment is like unto it, love your neighbor. And literally, it's before yourself. And, and you know, Peter sort of sums up this whole section uh, of Scripture by saying, you know, let me just get right to the point of the matter. Your job is to love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Now, we know that takes two forms. One, Jesus' love covers our sins. But if we love one another, then we're going to be like Jesus, and we're going to overlook their sins. And by overlook, I don't mean ignore them or pretend they didn't exist. But we're going to love people in spite of the fact that they're sinful. We're going to love them in spite of the fact that maybe they've done bad things to us. And the way we love them isn't this gushy, emotional love. You can do what you want. I just want you to be happy. But it's a love that tells them about Jesus, a, a love that, that models that, that f- willingness to forgive. Mm-hmm. But always measured with grace and truth, our speech seasoned with salt, so that people understand that, that we're simply his ambassadors. And because he loves you, we're going to love you. Sometimes loving somebody is telling them the hard thing telling them the truth, but doing so in love and not in any kind of a judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, from one, one side, in Proverbs twelve sixteen, it says, Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. And then Proverbs nineteen eleven says, A person's wisdom, which is, sounds like what you're asking for, Cindy, a person's wisdom yields patience, it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. And then I was reading somewhere today, not in the Bible necessarily, um, where, uh, you know, a married couple, for instance, uh, we need to be patient with one another and not accept each other's faults, but to understand we all have little quirks sometimes that might get on the other person's nerve, but... um, as loving spouses, we are to don't make it a big deal. And so that's what I would I would say. I, Ron was talking about me not letting the letting him open his Christmas gifts on Christmas Eve, all of them, last night. And uh, no, I wanted to open them last week. <laughs> yeah, you did want to open them <laughs> last week too. I think that bag's been sitting there more than a week now. Um, but you know we. We are a married couple, and in his family tradition, um, they would just get it all done on Christmas Eve, and then on Christmas morning, they don't have anything to open. And so it was like, no, I don't want to do that. And and we didn't do that with our kids. So we let them open one gift on Christmas Eve, and they would go to bed. So they would go to sleep. So they'd be excited for the next day to be able to open up their gifts. If they had done it all on Christmas Eve, what do they have to look forward to? If they'd have done it all on Christmas Eve, we'd have been able to sleep till 10 (laughs) o'clock. That's not right. (laughs) Demonstrate some patience. So, again, uh, it says, a person's wisdom, this is Proverbs 19.11, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. You know, Jesus is patient with us because over and over again, and he gets all the glory to overlook the many offenses <laughs> that I have had. And he's just patiently waiting um, as he is the one faithful to complete the work he's begun in me. But I'm partnering with him and I'm resolving, Lord, I want wisdom. I want wisdom. I don't want to be a fool that shows my annoyance at once. I want to be prudent and I want to be patient in overlooking an insult and or an offense. Cindy, I hope that uh, is is at least where you were going, so I hope that helps. Paula, we're inside two minutes. Uh, I've got a question for you on the other side of the break, Um, but uh, what else on your heart? Kind of set up the next half hour. Well, I was, this is kind of maybe a funny thing, but you know how little kids, when, when you kiss them, they they sometimes they look right at you and wipe your kiss off. Sometimes they just kind of 
sneakily put their hand up there, but they're nevertheless wiping the kiss off. Well, I was thinking about Jesus, you know. He, he came here, lived a perfect, sinless life, uh, died on the cross for us, and he says he's reaching his arms out to everybody. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, the whole world, that he gave his one and only Son. And I think of Jesus as being that kiss from God the Father to all of us, really. And how many, being childish, wipe the kiss off our face and say, I don't want that. That's made me sad, Pastor (laughs) Fon. I always think of Judas betrayest thou the son of man with a kiss. Mm. And um, we're the betrayers. We do that to the Lord all the time. You know, he's the initiator of, of love. He's the initiator of his pursuit of us. He's the one that lavishes us with love and kisses, figuratively speaking. Mm-hmm. And you're right. We we just wipe it off and do our own thing. And too often wait till we're desperate. And then we, well, I'm ready now. But yeah. we can save ourselves a lot of pain. We have 30 minutes left in the program. This is the date day edition of the Word to Stand On for Life. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. We will be back in two minutes. to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to the program as i said at the beginning of the break we've got 30 minutes left you can call us at area code 210-340-9585 paul i have a question that came in for you that i'd like you to take a shot at it's from robin and I don't want to leave her hanging any longer. We can get to anything else on your heart after um, we discuss this one. But this one is, um, what advice would you give to a single Christian woman with normal, healthy sexual desires? Mm. Well, in in 1 Corinthians 7, Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried, as I do, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And that's for somebody who's already involved, I think, in a relationship. But um, I would say you need to really, really pray because you can't go out and fulfill those normal, healthy sexual desires on your own. Um, I would say pray for celibacy. Until the Lord brings you that man in your life. Um, in, in Song of Solomon, it says, don't uh, awaken desires until the right time. And so you've got to get your focus changed for one thing, to fall more in love with Jesus and, and that he would be enough for you. And he will, um, Lord, you know, my mind is on a healthy sexual lifestyle um, but I'll wait for you to provide that, and that won't be my focus, Lord. But my 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 um, advice or counsel, seriously, would be to uh, speak so close to Jesus and then ask Him, Lord, I give this to you for the right time, um, and if I'm to be married, you'll you'll take care of that. But I have resolved I'm not going to um, go after this on my own. Yeah, I'm really glad you used the word celibacy. Uh, Celibacy is a gift. Now, I'm betting it's not a gift that anybody in this audience has prayed for. But every single Christian man or woman ought to be praying for this gift on a daily basis. You know, our minds are to be set on things above. The mind is always the place of decision. The heart. <clears throat> Jesus says, is the place of affection. We're to set both our minds and our hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Um, that means your heart and your mind have to work together. Your mind says, I know this is what my heart wants, but what I really want is to be with Jesus. 
So the gift of celibacy for every single person is something that we ought to pray for. If men would do that, uh, men who are struggling with pornography, uh, and and unfortunately most men don't struggle with pornography, they just give in to it. But... Um, and it's one of those things where we don't know the word, so we just rationalize. It's okay. Well, at least I'm not, and and we fill in that blank. Um, but you know, if if we could really learn that God's grace is sufficient, if we trust Him on that, the Apostle Paul, no doubt, was a married man at one point. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, uh, the, the seventy ruling elders. Uh, he he was advancing in Judaism at a very very young age. Um, and, and one of the requirements of being a member of the Sanhedrin was to be married. Uh, it's also likely that Paul had children. It's likely because that was the goal of every Jewish marriage, to reproduce, to, to be fruitful and multiply. What it means, if you think about it practically, it means that, that he lost his family when he was converted. That happened to Jews converting to Christianity in in the early church regularly. And so suddenly he's all alone, and he says toward the middle of his ministry as a missionary, as a pastor, as an apostle, he says it's better to be single, that we can devote all of your energy to the mm-hmm. Lord. Mm-hmm. But here's the catch-22 for us as Christians, Robin, we have to devote all of our energy to the Lord while we're single, even having desires to be married, even having desires to, to, to fulfill a normally helpful, uh, healthy sexual relationship. So, you know, the Bible says, Paul, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. The key there is a sacrifice, mm-hmm. and sacrifices cost something. So what you do is you say, Jesus... I have these desires, but I'm going to give them to you until the right time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sacrifice those desires until you bring the man sacrifice those desires until you bring the man of God into my life and into my heart. Mm-hmm. And, and if we understand that, our body's not our own. It's been paid for. So we do with our body that which honors the Lord. Therefore, Paul writes, honor the Lord with your body. Mm-hmm. It says that this is your true and proper worship. Yeah. yeah. So it, there's nothing wrong with having normal, healthy sexual desires, but you've got to put those desires in a back place until the right time. And the last thing I'll say to Robin and Um, Paula has counseled so many women and it's always true when they do it right when they wait for the one that Jesus sends them when the marriage then is consummated and beyond that um, those are very healthy thrilling passionate sexual relationships Mm -hmm. God hasn't given you those normal healthy desires uh, to frustrate you he's given you those healthy desires to uh, help you um, best know how to serve him. Uh, last word on this, Paula, is in this whole concept of sacrifice, we forget that serving costs a lot. Mm-hmm. We've got an anonymous phone call from San Antonio, Texas, on line one. Thanks for calling. You're on the air. How's it going, Pastor Ron? Good. <laughs> I have a real big problem. Um, I just recently, maybe about three months, started going to a new church with uh, my, my wife. And come to find out, one of the young ladies there, um, she's having magic problems. She goes to church, but her husband doesn't. And she told my wife that one of the worship team, the, one of the uh, players, texts her after church and tells her, you know, I know you were looking at me, and so he knows that she's going through marriage problems. And I feel like if I confront him, or to the pastor, I'm the odd one out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, I do. I know exactly how you'd feel. However, how you feel doesn't matter in this case, Anonymous. What, what you need to do is, and this is what any man of God would do, he would take the evidence of those texts, and he would, he would first go to the person on the worship team, and say, how can you sing those songs? How can you sing those words? And you've got this kind of filth going through your mind. 
And if he if he doesn't repent immediately, then you take it to the pastor. And you say, I've, I've, I've confronted him, I've done so in love, but this is the kind of thing that's going on from somebody on your stage who's singing these songs to Jesus and leading the rest of us into worship, and um, you need to fix this, you need to do something about it. Now, if the pastor and the worship guy um, make you feel like the odd man out, you know, you, what you learn there is this isn't a church that takes the word of God seriously, and it's not a church that you need to be at. It's just that straightforward. Uh, unfortunately, even people with public ministries um, um, have flesh. Um, it, it's just—it's just one of those things. We cannot ever let something like that go by, regardless of the cost to us. So go to them in love, but go to them and say. This needs to stop. It needs to stop now. And even even if he says, okay, I'm not going to do it anymore, but he's mad at you, then you need to go to the pastor and say, you know, there was no repentance, and this guy is standing on your stage. If if somebody told me that about somebody on uh, my worship team, that person would be out instantly. I tell my people all the time, Anonymous, that they're responsible to be able to sing those words before the congregation, and they need to be able to do so in good conscience and with a heart that's justified by God. And you can't do that if you're if you're trying to, um, um, you know, create a relationship with somebody who's already spoken for. So um, godliness matters, and it matters most uh, in very public ministries. So. Um, I'll be praying for you. If you don't mind, keep us posted on how this goes. But how your church responds to this is going to tell you a lot about what kind of church they are. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing, Pastor. Um, um, I, I recently uh, got married. So it's kind of like the church is my wife's. That's why I said I just recently started going there. It's her family. You know what I'm saying? Okay. That just that just raises the st- yeah that that just raises the stakes. You know, if it's her family, you go to say here. There's something going on in your church that I know you want to know about, and I don't care. And, and if they don't respond in a godly way to this, um, it doesn't matter that it's her family or not. She doesn't belong in that church. It's that simple. You and your wife have to be one heart and one mind on this. And and if 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 her family, uh, you know, I tell my church all the time, and Paula will attest to this, that if I get goofy or if I'm living in sin, then then at least be bold enough in the Lord, if 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 I don't repent, to to go find another church. And church is not a family thing that we do. Church is a thing that we do for Jesus. It's where we go to be equipped to 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 to, to rightly represent the Lord, and that means it really matters that our church and the leadership of the church is focused on personal holiness and that they're going to deal with sin. If they won't deal with sin, Anonymous, it's not a church that you want to be a part of, and it's certainly not a church you want your wife to be a part of. There's lots and lots of good Bible-teaching churches. So I'll be praying. Keep us posted, okay? Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. Paula, let's go to Harold on line two from San Antonio. Harold, thanks for holding. You're on the air. Are you there? Yeah. Okay. Hi, Harold. Hi. I'm here. I thought I was there Good. before. <laughs> 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 I really did. But anyway, uh, uh, the conversation just before was about, you know, the Jewish people are in ancient times. The idea was to have a big family. And, uh, you know, you know, to carry the name and all this. And, you know, I've done some Bible reading, I, maybe a little bit of a lot, but the people groups that say that Jesus Christ had a full-fledged marriage and, you know, sons and daughters, uh, to me, if that was true, it would be, well, it's not written in the Bible because it's not true, first of all. But there would have been some kind of evidence somehow uh, you know, to state their case, and people are just trying to disprove that to me that Jesus Christ is the Son of God by stating that he was married and uh, you know had kids and all that stuff. And yep. 
that's what I wanted to say. Uh, you, you just reminded me of that song. You know, when you mentioned all that. Thank you, Harold. Well Appreciate hi. it. I'll talk to you all later. Okay. Hey, Thank Merry you. Christmas. All righty. Bye-bye. Yeah. You too. Bye. Thank you know, Paula, you. The, the devil is a liar. And he's always been lying. You know, um, um, some at some point between now and Easter, there will be a PBS special or a Discovery Channel special about how Jesus and Mary Magdalene were married. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no authority. There's no evidence. But you see, we want to believe that because if we believe that, then we can discount the, the validity of the word of God. And and that gives us sort of the loophole we're looking for to to pretend that we're okay with Christ um, and, and still do what we want to do. Jesus was born, Harold, to die. Jesus wasn't born to have a successful career. He wasn't born to, to get a college education. Jesus was born for one thing, and that's to die. And the moment he came out of Mary's womb, he began the process of dying. Every step, you know, we, we, we phone a video our babies, their first steps, and we send them to everybody we know. Look at my babies walking. Jesus' first step was to the cross. And he never went in any other direction. And so when people make those comments, then we simply challenge them, say, where's your evidence because I've got plenty of evidence if you're interested in the other. The problem, Harold, as you know, is that people who make those kind of statements have no interest in God or the things of God. And unfortunately, that's just the world that we're, we're sort of stuck in. Uh, they lied about Jesus when he was alive. He's a drunk and a glutton. Um, Mary was a woman who's morals and character were questioned for her entire life after giving birth to Jesus. We know who our father is. The implication being Jesus, you don't know who your father is. And so the devil's been lying from the beginning. He's not going to stop now. We cannot be moved by those kind of shallow, silly arguments. Mm -hmm. So I hope that helps, Harold. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, those sounds like people just looking at Jesus from a, a worldly point of view. You know, like you're saying, we just put our own emotions and what we would have done or just we live on this earth. And so he came to earth. And so we're just looking at things from our own messed up perspective, just a worldly point of view. And, um, you know, crisis. <clears throat> We should not do that any longer. You know, Paul, and a question to Robin. I was talking about we, we've lost the concept of a sacrifice mm-hmm. for Jesus. He who gave everything for us, we're unwilling to give everything. I just had a, a pastor ask me a question uh, just before we signed on the radio program, uh, wanting to know if his advice was right uh, that he gave to uh, an elderly couple, both of them widowed. And um, the, the the question was, um, they deeply love each other. They, they're they both committed, devoted Christians. But uh, if they were to get married, it would cost them some portion of their retirement or their pensions um, uh, would be forfeited. And they're barely now living above a, a, a poverty scale. And, and so... Um, would it be okay, and, and this is what I found out the counsel he gave was, uh, would it be okay if they, if they just for, forego completely the this, this, this civil, secular ceremony and they made a profession of love in the church and the church acknowledged their marriage? And his wow. response to them was, was yeah, and and if it if it had been me, my response would be well, well. So what does it cost you? Six, seven hundred dollars a month, eight hundred dollars a month. What what kind of money are we talking about? And then I ask him the question: Is Jesus worth that? If you're devoted Christians, is Jesus worth that? Do you trust Jesus that to do things right, He'll provide? Mm-hmm. 
Or are you going to take matters into your own hands and do what seems right to you and then find a sympathetic pastor who'll say, well, you know, I get that. And that sounds so compassionate. It sounds so loving. Well, you know, we'll marry you in God's eyes and forget the secular thing. But but that's not what our Bibles tell us. And so this whole idea of a sacrifice is something that we can never, ever forget that he alone is worth making any sacrifice we have to. He who gave everything for us, how can we not give him everything that we have for him? And we sell him out so cheaply mm-hmm. for a few hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. I guess old people, and see I'm talking yeah. about us now. Yeah. Old people have an exemption from sacrifice to love Jesus, huh? And, and, and holiness. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, those are hard things, and but that's the world that we live in. We rationalize doing what we want to do instead of just saying, okay, Lord, this way you say to do it, that's where I'm going to do it, and I'm going to trust you. Yeah. And, and I told that pastor, I don't know how you could ever look those people in the eye. I don't know how you'd ever explain that response to Jesus. Yeah. Again, you say we need to be in our word to know it, and that's a spooky thing. I'd be afraid to go... Here's the problem. This guy knows it. But he's let his emotions sort of trump the word of God. Yeah. Wow. Hard things. Yeah, it is hard. Hard things. What else on your heart, Paul? Nothing. No. (laughs) 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 I loved the study in um, Luke 9 where I was completely encouraged. Pastor Ron, you don't even know. You said, this was your title. Whatever you have when God calls you, it's all you need. Yeah. Except I don't title my messages. I title your messages. (laughs) And so that's what your title was for that one. Um, Whatever you have when God calls you, it's all you need. you know, sometimes we, we don't think we have enough. I'm not Again, not smart enough, tall enough, thin enough, pretty enough, all those kind of things. Or I don't know the Bible well enough. Or um, I don't speak well in front of people. Or, you know, I'm not bold. I'm more shy. I'd rather be the one in the background kind of person. Um, and yet the Lord says, but I have a plan for you. And he's the one that gives us the gifts. You know, I I know that I have the gift of encouragement. I can tell anybody, everybody, you can do it. You can. <laughs> Go on. You can do it. But then let the Lord ask me to do something that's a little bit scary. And it's like, I'm glad I'm married to Pastor Ron. Ron, you need to do this. Come over <laughs> here and please teach this passage for me because I don't have what it takes. And yet um, the Holy Spirit, who is a genius, who lives in each believer, and we don't all have the same gifts, but when push comes to shove, and I'm the only one, me and Jesus, um, speaking to somebody, I can pray for wisdom. I can pray for knowledge. Um, I can pray for just a peace and a calm, and the Lord will give me whatever I need at that time, that all grace may abound in all situations at all times for whatever I need. And that goes for everybody. So now I'm encouraging myself and I'm encouraging others, but it was because of this study. We can go out, you said, with urgency and simplicity. People are dying and going to hell. And and the Lord wants me to be sure not to tell them they're dying and going to hell, but to be sure to be simple, to tell them the message that Jesus has come for them. You know, Paul, that that chapter um, begins with Jesus sending his 12 disciples out to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, um, to do miraculous things, things that they'd never done before. And he says, I've given you power. And then he, then he makes it even more difficult. He says, don't take any money. Don't take a lunch. Don't take an extra coat. Mm-hmm. Just just go with what you have. Mm-hmm. Find a house to stay in. If that if, if the house won't welcome you, then, then shake the dust off your feet and, and go find a place that will welcome you. And the idea is that um, because I'm with you, that's enough. 
And then later in that chapter is the, the, the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And and what they had was a sack lunch, a little boy's sack lunch with five little poor, really bad barley loaves of bread and two sardine-sized fish. And And Jesus made that feed the multitudes. And at the end, each one of the disciples picked up a basket full I called it a basket full of memories, a basket full of God stories because they saw the hand of God move through them because they learned that what they had was enough. When God sends us, we focus too often on what we don't have or what we think we need. God says, just go. I'm with you. That's all you need. That's what those two senior citizens need to hear about right now. Yeah. Whoever makes, whoever would have the most is going to be fine. Just do it right. and God can multiply it if he wants to. You know, I'm living that right now, right? What, the senior citizen part? Yeah, in my Social Security. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? I'm getting paid. Yeah, no, I do. I'm getting paid for having stayed with you all those years, Pastor Ron, and I'm getting ready to get a 2.8% raise, don't you know? <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, but that's what, that's what the senior citizens should have been told. Hey, look, if it's only one, if you're doing things right, God's there with you. He'll multiply it. Yeah, and the challenge for all of us is to believe it. And we don't typically believe it because we focus on what we don't have or what we think we need instead of focusing on what he's already provided for us. And, um, you know, those verses, Paul, I told the church, have sort of been our life verses at church for the 23 and a half years that we've been here because everything um, appears as though we have nothing, yet God keeps making it multiply over and over and over. Well, you can hear by the music. We are at the end of the program. I appreciate you tuning in. You've been listening to the Date Day edition of The Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Beautiful Paula was live in studio. Thanks for putting up with our voices and our mountain cedar allergies. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord willing, I'll see you tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630, The Word. But I'm going to say Merry Christmas. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.